And so it's interesting that God uses this picture because he combines these two fruits, the figs and the grapes. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, so that is the part of the Bible that chronologically happens before the life of Jesus, he puts the two together in a way that is both very figurative but also very literal. You see, his people, uh, what we think of now as Israel, there were times where their relationship with God was good, they had peace with God, he blessed them, they have peace with one another, your neighbor is happy with you and you're happy with your neighbor. Other times where they're rebellious towards God. And because of that, he allows them to experience some of the pain that is caused when they don't live his way. And at one point, they actually end up dragged out of their own land into essentially slavery in another country, into captivity. But all during that time, he keeps telling them, you know what I really want for you? I really want you to have a right relationship, to have peace with me, peace with each other, and you'll know when you're there because everyone will sit under his own fig tree and under his own vine. And so very literally speaking, if you are dragged away to captivity in a different country, you cannot sit under your fig tree or your vine because it's back home where you used to live. But also because as grapes grow, as figs grow, they need to be cultivated. They need someone, a gardener, who is there caring for them. And so when the people had peace, when they lived in their own land, they would be growing their own fig trees, they would be growing their own vines, and you could literally sit under the shade of your tree and know that the world is as it should be. Life is as it should be. Things are at peace. Not only in the circumstances, but in the relationships. Peace with your family, peace with your neighbors. Have a fig, come on over. We'll get the fruit of the vine, and we'll have a party, and we'll have a feast. And so that's the kind of picture that God paints with these two fruits. And as that becomes a metaphor in the Old Testament, Jesus begins to pick it up in the New Testament. So kind of like the second half of the Bible that begins with the biographies of Jesus and then through the early days of his followers who were trying to learn how to live that out. And so Jesus picks up on this because what we sometimes miss, when I think grapes or figs, I think produce aisle at Kroger, right? I'm not cultivating them. I'm not growing them. I'm thinking I just, I just pick up the ones that are on sale. But for them, you've got to go a little further back. Before you can understand the fruit, you have to understand the root, the vine that it's actually going to come from. And that's how Jesus uses this picture. So this is in the Gospel of John, which is one of the biographies about Jesus' life written by one of his closest friends. And this is what Jesus says to him. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Right? You, you prune it. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay, you lost me, Jesus. <laughs> so I get that we're talking about a vine. I get that we're talking about branches and fruit that comes from that. But what does that have to do with, with Jesus' life? If he's God in the flesh, what is he trying to tell them about himself or, or about the way that they live? Because this speech that he's giving them about, about the vine, this is on the last night he spends with his friends. A couple hours from now, he's going to be betrayed by his friend Judas and a few hours later, he will be crucified and killed on the Roman cross, tortured to death. And Jesus knows it's coming. He's been telling them for years where this was all headed. And in this moment, he says, so before that happens, I got to tell you real quick, I'm like a vine. 
Well, I need you to explain yourself a little bit. So it, it helps to think about fruit in the Bible is kind of like our version of ROI. Like this is your return on investment. You've been pruning for months. You, you planted, you cultivated, you watered, you prayed for rain, you gave it fertilizer, you watched it grow, you cut away the dead parts so that they wouldn't steal resources from the parts that were really bearing fruit. And after this entire season, finally, there's fruit on the tree or fruit on the vine. And so Jesus says this, this picture is if he's the true vine, his father is the vine dresser, he means that God is the one who is cultivating this. And that as he looks at those branches, he's going to take away anything that's not bearing fruit, but prune the things that are so that they bear even more fruit. So before we even get to exactly what it means that Jesus is the vine, the first thing he's really inviting you to do is check your life for fruit. So I actually borrowed this tree from my friend Ken. Um, Ken is such an interesting guy to me because in his career he was an ER doctor and training other people to be ER doctors which in my mind, that is about as high pressure and anxiety producing <laughs> as it gets. Um, so I haven't asked him this, but maybe that's why now in his retirement, it's like all gardening. <laughs> uh, so this is actually one of the fig trees that he's been growing. So the, the figs that we tasted before were from Turkey. These are from right here in Indian Hill. Uh, and what he told me is that as each of them is growing, you can actually see, I don't know if you can see this in there, but the green ones are still growing and these purple ones have actually gotten ripe. And so you go through the plant and you check for fruit because if it's not growing fruit, you know, you want to remove that branch so that the resources are going to the ones that are really growing something. In fact, uh, Ken has also been a part of the eco project that we've been doing out here on the property. And that's one of the things you've heard us talk about a little bit where we essentially um, have a ton of volunteer hours and kind of a big plan going on that is to reshape our property back here really as that same kind of place where maybe you don't have your own vine or your own fig tree, but you feel like you can come and sit and have a quiet moment and experience the kind of peace that God is talking about. But even as I say that, we're still kind of in the realm of metaphor, aren't we? Check my life for fruit. Okay, um, well, I got figs. Is that still what we're talking about? Or what does he mean exactly? So actually later in the New Testament, one of Jesus' followers writes this letter called Galatians. And it's just called that because he writes it to a city named Galatia. But in there, he describes what he calls the fruit of the Spirit of God. So the kind of fruit that God makes grow. And this is what he lists. He says it's stuff like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Doesn't that sound good? In fact, he even says right after that, against these things, this list... There is no law. No matter where you go in human history around the world, nobody makes a law against love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Those are the things we all want. He says, yes, that is exactly the kind of fruit that God is talking about. And so when I check my life for that kind of fruit, when I check the branches, you know, when that metaphor starts to come through, I think to myself, well, I definitely want those things growing in my life. And I'll bet you do too. I don't always slow down and think about each one of them individually, but if I pick out just a couple of these, well, yeah, I would love to have peace all the time. I would love if there was nothing I ever had to worry about or be anxious about or think, is this going to go right or is that going to go right? Is it going to be this diagnosis or that diagnosis? Is, is this thing going to be reconciled or is that thing going to be broken? You know, I think even more specifically, you know, I'm, I'm married, I've got four kids, 
And patience is something that I can struggle with. So I'll look at that list and I'll say, I would love to grow more patience in my life. That when I am like eye to eye with somebody else and I'm feeling that frustration and I feel like I'm at my limit and I think I've done everything that I've done and I'm out of patience. Right? What is growing in my life? And it hit me. um, I don't know. I lose track of time because I... I was telling a story the other day about my grandpa who passed away about eight years ago. And I said, well, a couple years ago, it's like, I realized the story was like 30 years ago. So I don't know exactly when this was, five years ago, 10 years ago. But I hit this moment in my life that I realized I wanted to be a lot of those things. And I liked to imagine that I was. But I just wasn't. And as my wife and I kind of wrestled through some of that, you know, I'll give you one example. She was regularly telling me that I get too angry. And I can literally picture one of these exact conversations where I'm on my phone and I'm pacing the room and, and she's at home, but I'm at work, but I took this call because I had another blow up and, and I'm saying, well, I'm angry because. And I spent like an hour trying to convince her, literally like an hour, trying to convince her why I was so angry. And she's saying things to me like, no, I understand why you're angry. I'm saying I think the way you handled it is not okay. It's like, I didn't want to let that in because then I have to admit I'm not the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness that I wish I was. I'm not the husband that I wish I was. I'm not the dad that I wish I was. And I don't, I don't like that feeling, so I try to compartmentalize while I'm angry because or whatever it is. But not long after that, we hit a moment where it was like, I, I don't want to keep making excuses. I want, I want to actually grow. I, I really do want these things, so why can't I seem to make it happen on my own? And so maybe you listen to that and you say, oh man, I've been there and I wish you would stop talking about me. And maybe you sit there and you think, man, this guy's got problems. <laughs> well, admit it to yourself or don't. And maybe yours is different than mine. Maybe it's not anger for you. Maybe it is anxiety. You know, maybe it is some self-centeredness or just places where you feel like you can't admit you're wrong. It may be any number of different things. Maybe you just feel a lack of joy in your life and you don't know why. But you'd love to see that kind of fruit. I would tell you, I would love to see more patience in my parenting. I would love to see more gentleness in my marriage. I would love to have that kind of fruit for my family. And as I began to kind of search through that and, and grow through that, honestly, one of the things that helped me more than anything else, so this is like, you don't have to believe me, but pro tip from my life, if you want to avoid some of the stuff that I went through, one of the things that helped me the absolute most is this passage in John 15 that we're talking about today because of the way that Jesus is talking about these things. Because look at what he says just a couple lines later. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, that's a little on the nose. I can do nothing. I mean, I, can feel, I feel like I can be a little bit patient. <laughs> but the picture that Jesus is trying to paint here is that we have such limited resources that the absolute best I have to offer in area, any area of life, the absolute best that I have to offer is actually still down here. But that God has something limitless that he wants to offer. So think about it this way. 
Have you noticed what our fig tree has been doing here while we've been talking this morning? You know what it's been doing? It's growing. It's bearing fruit right now. You don't think about it, right? Because it's just, it's just sitting there. Look at this. Look at this one. You see this one right here? This green one. Look how hard it's trying. Isn't that fascinating? Okay, here's, your, here's my point. It's not. It's not trying. You never look at a vine of grapes. You never look at a tree growing figs and say, wow, that, that grape is really giving it his all. Gotta grow! Grow! No, all it has to do is stay connected. That's all it has to do. The tree is doing all the work for that fig, pumping resources into the fruit. The vine is the same way. The vine is pumping all of the resources into those grapes and bearing the fruit. And so when Jesus uses this word, abide, it's a word that it, it can just mean like to live in your home. Just like that Old Testament picture, like when you are home and things are right with the world and you sit under your own tree and your own vine and man is it good and you can just abide. He's using that picture for himself. He says, abide in me. It's the idea of remaining and staying connected. And you notice he says, abide in me and I in you. That is how we're going to bear fruit. Essentially, what he's inviting us is to connect to the source of life. Connect to the source of life. That's why he says, I'm the vine. So when he gives us this picture, it's not just picking up the grapes from Kroger. <laughs> it's the idea of staying connected to Jesus in a way that he actually gets to bear his fruit through our lives. That it's his joy, his peace, his love, his gentleness. All of the things that we see him demonstrate in this book. And that's why here at Horizon, you, you hear us use this word connect a lot. You know, we say that why we are here is to help people connect to God. In fact, we say comfortably connect, like just sit under the fig tree for a few moments and get to know him. And the reason for that is because I don't want my life to be a fig tree trying to grow by itself. A grape that rolled off on the floor, just, it's not possible. It's not possible. But a lot of times, that's how we think about religion, right? And a lot of times, that's even how we think about Christianity. Okay, I'm supposed to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, gentle. I think I forgot the rest of them. Okay, that's enough for today. And then we go out there and we work really hard to try to be a better person. Stack up these good deeds so that if I ever do meet God, if it does turn out that he's up there and that heaven is real and hell is real and I want the good one, then when I get there, I hope I can say, look how hard I tried. I did my best. Is this good enough? I mean, cut me some slack. That is so backwards. I mean, that is like every other world religion, but that's part of what sets Christianity apart. Because what Jesus says is, you're talking about external motivation. That the thing driving you is, I'm, I'm hoping that this way I get, a, I get out of trouble and I, maybe I get something good when I die. If I just, you know. <sighs> Jesus says, chill for a minute. What I really want you to do just stay connected to me, and you'll grow. Well, I'm really going to try, Jesus. He's like, 
just stay connected to me, I will bear love, joy, peace, patience in your life. And I, I don't know about you, but that's hard for me to grasp because even as you read this, like part of it is if I ignore him, if I don't even try, if I don't make time for him, so there is some active thing for me to do. And yet Jesus' whole picture here starts with just stay connected. That before it's external, it's got to be internal. So the next thing I want to tell you this is hard for me to say because I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. And the New York Jets coach said something really smart recently. All right, I got that off my chest. So <laughs> I read this, this quote from Robert Sala a couple of weeks ago. He, he is the coach of the Jets. And we play them on Monday night, and I hope that we crush them. And, and for your sakes, like there's like a thousand Burrow jerseys here this morning. I hope they crush the Browns today too. <laughs> so happy start of the NFL season. Uh, but what Robert Sala said is he described the four different kinds of players on a team. And essentially there's the guy who's only there for the, the, the fame and the money. Like he's entirely externally motivated. Everything for him is just fame and money. And if the fame and money stops, then he doesn't care after all. You know, second was like, well, he wants the fame and the money, but he's also afraid of looking bad, you know, and he's, he's kind of trying to be here for his teammates. And, but the next one, he called the competitor. And the competitor was the person who is no longer externally motivated. It doesn't matter what the media says about me or who pays me or how much, it's internally motivated. He's like, I want a team of competitors. But even beyond that is what he called the commander. And the only difference between the commander and the competitor is that not only is the commander internally motivated, but he brings people with him. And when I heard that, and I was thinking about this picture of Jesus, what hit me was Jesus is like the ultimate example of a commander. I mean, he's the kind of commander that a coach couldn't even dream of. Because not only is Jesus eternally motivated, not only has he been bringing people with him for over 2,000 years, like, you, you check the stats, literally, it's, it's insane what they can do with the computational power we have today. But they can actually calculate pretty rough estimate of the percentage of mind share that Jesus has over people from the day he was born until now. And there is nobody in history who has the mind share that Jesus has. People are thinking about him all the time. People are shaping their lives around things that he taught. So it's not only that Jesus has the internal motivation, it's not only that he brought people with him, but what he's actually saying here is that he becomes your internal motivation. That it is actually Jesus' love in you, Jesus' peace in you. When he says, abide in me and I in you, he's saying, I will become your internal motivation. That he begins to replace my selfish anger. He begins to replace my self-centered greed. I need to go first. She should say sorry before I do. Well, I'm not the one who. He begins to replace those things with his goodness, his gentleness, his kindness. The same things that he offered to us, he actually puts in us so we can begin to offer it to others. In fact, a perfect example of that that he gives right here in this same conversation just a few more lines down. He says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Stay connected to my love. 
And then he goes on to describe how the person who obeys God's commands stays in his love, right? When we live the way that God has designed for us. And then he gives a specific example right here in verse 12. This is my commandment. Okay, what's it going to be? I knew the Bible was full of rules, so what's this one? Well, here's my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. I mean, is that the coolest commandment you've ever heard in your life? Like, I don't know what I thought Jesus was going to say, but he tells you that everything boils down to loving God and loving other people. And so it's like, okay, you know what I want in my life? I want to be loved. I want to love my wife. I want to love my kids. I want to love the people I work with. I want to be a good neighbor. I wonder what Jesus wants. I wonder what God would love to see. He literally commands them, love each other. He wants the same thing as I do. Now, admittedly, that is not always the case. There are times where I feel like I don't want what God wants. But at the core of it all, this perfect example is not only that he and I would love the same thing, that the ultimate version of sitting peacefully under my own vine and fig tree would be that I'm right with God in a loving relationship and I'm right with the people around me in loving relationships. That I'm loving them, that they're loving me back. And look at how he describes that we do this. He says, as I have loved you. Well, now that's a little bit different, isn't it? Because if you think about it, if he said, I want you to love one another as your dog loves you. I think my dog mostly loves me because I give her treats. <laughs> right? Is that, I think that's kind of the only thing, actually. When I come over to have a nice moment with the dog, it just rolls on her back, scratch me or we're done here. Right? <laughs> the dog loves us because we just throw food at him. Now he says, love as I have loved you. And when you read this book, in fact, I think one of the best ways to connect to Jesus, like here's the forget everything else I say kind of moment, take some time and just read through the Gospel of John. Just look at who Jesus is and, and hear what he says for himself. Look at how he loves people. That he gave up everything. That he would swallow his pride when they were mocking him. That when he knew he could do whatever he wanted, he held back because he had a bigger purpose. That when he went to the cross, he was willing to take everything that we have done wrong, past, present, or future, get punished for it so that we wouldn't have to. I don't even want to be punished for my own stuff, let alone somebody else's stuff. Jesus says, I love you so much, I will take the punishment. It's a completely self-sacrificing love. So then I read this again and it's like, Oh, man. I mean, I'd love to think that I could do that, but love like Jesus? How's that possible? Well, that's what he says. Abide in my love. Right? Then it's his love that grows through you. You see, the challenge is, you notice what these grapes have been doing while we've been talking this morning? You know what they're doing. They're dying. They're dying right now. It doesn't look like it. They still look green, but you, oh, you know what happened? They're not connected to the vine anymore. So there's fruit, but there never will be again. You see, what Jesus is saying is that when you stay connected to the vine, he is going to bear his love through you. His kind of love will start to grow in your life, and then that is what you have to share with other people. 
that no longer am I standing in a moment with my kids where I'm doing my best to be patient, but I'm at my wit's end again. Like, like literally, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've prayed this prayer. When I love them so much and I want to do my best, but I'm at my wit's end, and so now I am done. But what was that thing you said, Jesus? <laughs> like, this is the moment where I'm testing if my faith is real and practical, or is it just something that, like, I learned it from a book and then I put the book away from Monday through Saturday. That in those moments, I and you, if you trust Jesus Christ as your forgiver, if you are willing to follow his lead in your life, in that moment, you can literally say, God, I am completely out of patience with these people. But you said that's one of your fruits. You said that's one of the things that you want to grow in my life. You said that it's not just like, I have to try harder to be more patient, but that you'll give me your limitless patience. So this is me asking for some more patience. This is me asking for more love. This is me asking you to remind me how you've forgiven me so that I can forgive this person. And think about how God answers that. Just like that commandment to love, He's thinking, that's what I wanted all along. And guys, I can't tell you, if you ask my wife the difference between me back then and me today, but the difference is the time I spend with Jesus, staying connected to Jesus. And where I could have thought that that was weakness, I can't do nothing without him. Now I realize what strength that is. He has unlimited resources that he wants to share with me. What an incredible strength to have in my corner. So if you ask my wife, what is her favorite thing about me? And let's say, other than my Herculean physique, other than my beautiful Fabio mane, other than my money bin that would make Scrooge McDuck blush, she would tell you her favorite thing about me is my connection to Jesus. So I don't know how that hits you, because I don't know, sitting here today, if you're like, oh my word, dude, move on. Or I don't know if you're sitting here today like, I, I would want that to be true. Some of you are probably sitting here today saying like, yeah, I've seen that in my life. But to me, for all of the archaeology and for all of like the predictions that were hundreds of years before in the Bible, and then they came true in real life, and for all of the other evidence that I see, some of the absolute best evidence for me, not only that God exists, but that he loves me, and that he wants to help me grow is when I hit those moments and I say those prayers and he answers. I find a patience I didn't have when I was on the phone trying to explain it all away. I find a forgiveness I didn't have. I find a joy I didn't have. In fact, just this week I was talking to my friend Dawson and I hadn't, I hadn't even seen Dawson in about a month because you know, vacation and family camp, it's the end of summer, you know, you're doing all that stuff. And before I saw him again, um, somebody told me that he'd actually been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And literally the next day I saw him. And, and if you've seen this, like, you could see it right away. Um, his wife joked with me this morning, now he's as skinny as you. Thank you. <laughs> but when I was talking to Dawson, I'm thinking, like, my heart is just breaking for him. And he's talking about the process that he's going through and the solutions they're trying to look for. But Dawson is a follower of Christ. He's a guy that just love and, and kindness and service just roll out of him. 
And as he explained to me everything that he was going through, one of the things he said was, you know, really though, I'm at peace. And I'm like, I know the Bible answer to that. I know how. I'm going to say it from stage this weekend, but how? (laughs) He said, you know, I'm at peace. I'm not angry at God. I'm still praying for healing because I don't think I'm done here. But I'm also praying that, that God will use this to help somebody else. If he had had a previous cancer scare a few years ago that the kind of research he did to try to solve that, he didn't end up needing, but a close friend did. He says, I hope that people can see in my life that because of Jesus, I actually have peace regardless of what happens because we know that the only things that are going to last until the next life, right, it's not my job, it's not my income, it's not my house or my cars, it's not my titles, The only things that are going to last are the things that Jesus grows in me. My relationship with him, my relationships with others, the love, the forgiveness, the peace. I got to tell you, like, you know, Chad and Ryan and I, we get to stand up on this stage a lot and share these kinds of stories. But that story teaches me. Right? I go home to my family and I say, hey, listen to this thing I heard today. That's the Jesus I want to follow. I want to know him better. I want to be closer to him. And that is why I just love, I just want to show you verse 5 again. I love that line that he gives us. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So every day, I want to be thinking, how do I stay connected? Because then what happens is, you bear to others what Jesus grows in you. That's the life that he's painted for us, that we receive it from him and then we pass it on. That it's not about my effort, it's about staying connected. I've heard that as the vines in Israel, in the Middle East where these fruits grow, as they get closer to harvest, the vine dresser will actually spend up to 18 hours a day cultivating the vineyard. Trimming here, watering there, a little more fertilizer here, snip this, snip that, keep an eye on everything, make sure it's all good to go, up to 18 hours a day. So I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, so if God is the vine dresser, if I'm trying to grow fruit, 18 hours a day, that means if I sleep for the other six hours, here's kind of a fun way to think about it, every waking moment, God is with you, helping you grow when you trust him. So maybe as you think about this passage today, you think about the figs, you think about the grapes. Maybe you think about where would you like to ask Jesus to make you grow? Honestly, maybe you even just pick one of these words. Patience, like like I was looking for. Kindness. Self-control. Maybe you just pick one of these words. You'd say, I'd love for God to help me grow in that area with this person or in this situation. That's why a lot of the environments that we create here at Horizon, they're not just to kill time. (laughs) They're really designed to help you connect to other people and ultimately connect to God to receive that kind of life, to experience that kind of growth. And and one of those that I think we we don't often get a lot of airtime for that I wanted to mention to you that's coming up soon is we actually do child dedications here at Horizon 
And so you can see the details on the screen behind me, but there are actually a couple parent meetings that happened before that. So if that's interesting to you, I would encourage you to check that out. And here's why, because part of that is that as you're thinking about how you would like to help your kids grow or explore God, you actually get a chance to revisit your own spiritual path as well. So if you're interested, you can find more details for that online. Um, Sierra and the team just do an awesome job with that, so I'd highly encourage you uh, to consider that as part of the way that you're connecting with your family and with God. God, thank you that you want the best for us. And Lord, I just, I just know that ultimately the peace of mind only comes when we are right with you. And so I don't know where everyone's at in this room, Lord. You know where I'm at. So whether we need to reconnect or maybe connect for the first time, I just pray that, that we, when we take those moments that we just try to reach out to you, to talk to you, to try something new as we explore you, that you would meet us there and show us the good fruit that you want to bear in our lives. And we will thank you for that in Jesus' name.